0: You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk Okay, well, very good morning everyone. Welcome to York City Church. It's my pleasure to welcome you here as well Uh, If you are a guest or a visitor, it's great to have you with us. Uh, If you have been coming for the last two or three months, uh, I'm not a guest speaker. (laughs) Um, I've been on sabbatical for three months and this is the first Sunday back. It's great, isn't it? No sort of of easing your way into it. Mark Oldsey on the rotor, preaching. Get into it straight away. So, um, so here we are. Uh, It's really good to see you all. If you uh, were at the weekend away, uh, I hope you had a fantastic time. We had a great time. Uh, Zachary really enjoyed it. 11 years old and with a mobile phone, freedom. Um, For those of you whose kids are not quite there, it will come. It feels really good. (laughs) Not long to wait now. (laughs) Um, And so, it's wonderful to be back here this morning. Such. A beautiful sense of God with us this morning. Such a, a wonderful thing to be together as the people of God and to worship together. Um, I was talking to Rob, uh, who obviously wasn't here over the weekend, and just a sense of, wow, God, you're with us. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I messaged Ian Galloway, who was, who was our guest speaker at the weekend away, to thank him uh, on all of our behalf uh, for coming and serving us. And uh, Ian just got back to me and said, We had a great time. The church is flourishing. That's you. Take that to heart. Isn't that lovely? The church is flourishing. Hallelujah. God's at work. And as we know from Ian's talks, Jesus came and stood and spoke. He's in the midst of us all. He's the one that is doing all the good stuff. So this morning, uh, it's a little bit of an interesting one. Um, Anastasia asked me if I was going to share my reflections from my sabbatical. Um, that would take about two and a half days. Uh, so <laughs> we're not going there. Uh, and it is a slightly, it's a bit of a, an unusual one-off Sermon in a way because we're not in part of a series and it's the summer, um, but as it happens, the, the things that I was going to speak about, God's already been flagging and telegraphing. This always happens with me and Rodgers, right? Me and Pete Roderick. I preach and I'm sort of sitting, thinking, I'm thinking about it. Pete stands up to lead the meeting, and telegraphs about 99% of my points ahead of time. I should just let him do it all, and then you know we could make the sermon about five minutes. No such luck. <laughs> I would like to speak to you this morning about praise. So we're called it joining the Hallelujah Chorus. We'll get to why that is a little bit later on. Um, to get to where I want to get to with you, we need to go on a little bit of a biblical journey. So we're going to do a little bit of a tour through a few things, point out a couple of things, and then land in a particular place. But we're going to begin in the Old Testament book called the Psalms. Um, if you have a Bible, the Psalms is right in the middle. Obviously, if you have a device, it's not quite—it's not in the middle, materially. But if you have a paper Bible, normally the Psalms is right smack in the middle. If you were of a certain age and you were given a Gideon's Bible when you went to school in year seven, anyone like that here? Who's still got it? Yeah, I've got it somewhere. Uh, a, a New Testament and Psalms. Like, you've got, you got the New Testament and the Psalms, two for the price of one. Um, If you're not overly familiar with the Bible, perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. That's brilliant. So good to have you here. You're really welcome. Uh, It's not an exclusive thing to gather with the church. You, You can be here and not be a believer in Jesus. You can be among the people of God. Um, It's wonderful. We're going to pray for you, obviously, and and seek to to introduce you to Jesus. But we're glad that you're here. It's wonderful. It's fantastic to have you here. But to help you, or if you're maybe a new Christian and you're not that familiar with the contents of the Bible yet, then let me try and just explain a little bit about the Psalms. The Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Bible, are an edited collection of 150 prayers and songs, poems perhaps, written by numerous Israelite authors over hundreds of years. Okay? It's not just one author, there's numerous authors, it's not just from one particular time, it's stretched out over a long period of time. And if you began at Psalm 1 and read through the whole collection, which is quite a good idea actually, you would also discover that the Psalms have been organised into could say five volumes. The the, the Bible, most of our English Bibles, it says book one or book two. There are five books or volumes of Psalms. Now, please don't get into the thought that it's just 30 in each, you know, 150 divided by five, that's nice, nice and neat and tidy. It's not like that, but neither is it arbitrary. The number five or five volumes of Psalms is not accidental or arbitrary. It reflects the conviction among the authors or at least the compilers and editors of the book of Psalms that God has spoken to his people in the Torah. That's the first five books of the Hebrew and the Christian Bible, actually. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Torah. God has spoken. God has revealed God's self. Now, other books... Were and still are available books like Mark's Gospel, um, like Who Knew, <laughs> and uh, the, the, but the five books of the Bible, the five, five books of Torah, were uniquely important because they reveal the Creator God and the God who chose and called Israel and rescued Israel. So they're very, very important in the Old Testament. The Torah reveals how God calls Israel, the Israelites, into a covenant relationship with him. Israel were called to partner with God in the blessing and salvation of the whole world. Right. So the first five books of the Bible, very, very, very important because of the foundational stuff about God and God's plan and God's people and God's ways that are revealed in those five books. So if God has spoken in such a way, and it's jaw-droppingly amazing and wonderful and miraculous, how on earth should his people respond? Well, perhaps we could say that the Psalms stand as 150 answers to the question, how should we answer God? In fact, you could take that, you can write it down if you're taking notes. How should we answer God? answer the Psalms. 150 prayers and songs and poems that are part of a big answer to the question of how you reply to the God who has spoken in Torah, who has revealed himself in creation and election and exodus and deliverance and wonder. Now, Oh, yeah, by the way, there we go. That's, that was, sorry, I'm a bit ring rusty at the moment, so I forgot about this bit. This is, here's how the books are, di- are divided up. See, okay, just a very brief thing. Got that? Excellent, fantastic, let's move on. Uh, how, <laughs> how should we answer God? That's the question that the Psalms are seeking to answer. Now, it's sometimes pointed out by people who read the Psalms or scholars who write and think about the Psalms, that they, they cover the whole range of human experience. They cover the whole gamut, kind of, kind of, of human experience. And, and they do it using a language that is, well, it's remarkable. And the language of the Psalms is, is so remarkable because it's just ordinary. It's what we might call the vernacular It's just bog-standard language. There's no sort of special Hebrew that gets used in the Psalms. The language used to answer God in reply to his revelation is no different to the language used in the home and in the field, in education. It's the same kind of language. No frills, no extras, no special vocab. All the same syntax and grammar and all the rest of it. Nothing special, just... Language, human language, Hebrew language gathered up and used to respond to God's revelation. Isn't that amazing? It's why you should be suspicious of when people pray and they suddenly adopt a very religious sounding tone and use remarkable language that people don't use in everyday life. So, what are you doing? God's given us a book with all these answers to Him, all these prayers, all this worship, and it's ordinary. Don't try and make it somehow extraordinary by being all religious, because the Bible doesn't do that. God doesn't need it. It's ordinary, and that's beautiful. Now, that enables us. Because it's this gut-level language, it lets us, it gives us permission to be frank and honest with God. And I like that. I think that's really helpful. Some people find it hard to be frank and honest with God. Sometimes, those people are people who find it hard to be honest with themselves, or maybe honest about other people as well. Oh, if I can't deal with myself about this, how can I be honest with God? God has an unnerving habit of seeing around the corners, though. Nothing's hidden from him, and we can use language in ordinary day to day discourse to hide things quite effectively. But God sees, and God knows. Gotcha. So don't try and hide. You can be frank and honest with God about what's going on. But the Psalms, as they teach us to answer God, also discipline our language. They don't invite us to some kind of general free-for-all. I can just say whatever I want and vent my spleen. It's not quite like that. Answering God is part of a conversation that God began with us about himself, about his people, about his creation, and about his salvation. And the answers in the Psalms to God's revelation, although they're in ordinary language, they're all related to the joys, the sorrows, the perplexities, the the sort of head scratches, the ups and downs, the wonders, the disappointments, the distractions, of life as a people loved and called by the one creator, God. So it's not just a free-for-all. It's not 150 dudes who sat down and decided to write whatever first came to their mind. It's 150 responses to God. And the fact that it's a response to a prior word means that there is some kind of anchoring to it all. God is the reality out of which all the psalms and the language of the psalms grows. God's reality and God's revelation is the ground out of which our prayer life grows. You don't have to struggle your way to try and find who God is. He reveals himself, and we then learn how to answer him. Let me give you one example of the kind of psalms and how this might work. One example is the psalms of complaint. Now, if you're a British person, that's great news. There are whole psalms dedicated to complaining. And we're amazing at complaining as a British people. We're outraged and we complain and we moan. But the psalms of complaints, although they're pretty full on at times, they're never simply a self-indulgent whinge fest. There's no kind of pom-pom parties going on in the psalms. You know, poor old me, poor old me. Pom-pom. Yeah. Sorry, I know. Just, I know how much you love those kind of things, Maria, so I think that was for you. Um, but there's no kind of hmm It's never just whining. The psalms of complaint are a serious wrestle with God. That's what they are. Usually provoked when the lived experience of the person who wrote or sang or composed the psalm didn't seem to match up with the things that God said about his loving commitment to his people okay you get things like this why are we getting kicked about by our enemies oh, by the way i didn't put scripture references up there cuz there's tons <laughs> Why are we getting kicked about by our enemies? There's one kind of of the complaints that comes up in the Psalms. How long before you wake up and rescue us? Literally. Why does it feel like you're gaslighting me, God? Not quite so literally, but you know, that sort of idea. Psalms like that, and there are plenty, are extraordinarily gritty. But what you have to grasp, if you are going to understand the Psalms and maybe even venture into the risky business of praying them for yourself, what you've got to grasp is that these kinds of prayers could not be prayed at all unless God had spoken first. Take that. You cannot complain to God about why his steadfast love appears to be a bit creaky at the moment, Unless God had first revealed to you, through his words, through his actions on your behalf, that he indeed is a God of steadfast love and that there were promises associated with that. So when you are complaining to God and asking why he appears to be gaslighting you, why you're getting kicked around, why he seems to be asleep when you need him, Remember that you can only pray that at all because God has revealed himself and his promises to you. Otherwise, you just could not say those kinds of things because you wouldn't know. You'd be guessing. You'd be having a stab in the dark at prayer. What's this thing all about? I don't know. Higher power. I love it when people say, oh, you know, the universe has blessed me. No, it hasn't. A lot of nonsense. I feel so blessed. Well, By, by who? The universe? No, mate. You can only be in a very real and kind of guttural relationship with a divinity if he's revealed himself to you first. You can only take it on yourself to complain about how things appear if you know full well that that God has made some pretty outstanding and overwhelming promises. And that's the ground on which you're wrestling, okay? Okay? We'll move on from that. I've, I think I've laboured the point enough. Have I? Find excellence. So we got the Psalms. 150 Psalms and prayers, divided into five books, or collected into five books, a reflection of the five books of Torah where God has spoken. And so 150 Psalms in five books reflect the fact that God has spoken and seek to answer God. And you can find within those Psalms, all kinds of resources for your own prayer life. You can learn how to answer God yourself. But there's one particular part of the psalms that we're going to land on now and focus on for the time that's left. And that is the final five psalms at the end of the collection. Now, here we get introduced to the word hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's what it means, hallelujah. It's it's two words joined by something called a makib in Hebrew, kind of joins two words together, hallelujah. One word, praise the Lord. Wonderful. And it's actually peppered throughout all the Psalms. You'll find it all over the place in the Psalms. But it winds up dominating the end of the Psalms in particular. Um, Hallelujah is one of those words in the church, (laughs) and possibly in wider culture generally in the West, that gets regarded as a little bit, I uh, don't know, meh, <laughs> a bit twee. People who say hallelujah in worship times, oh, oh don't do that, I'm British. <laughs> I don't want to say praise the Lord in my own language, let alone Hebrew, what are you doing? Hallelujah, it can become a little bit religious, can't it? We can say oh, hallelujah. Or oh, something happens, you know, we get some good news. Like the, the email came through on time. Oh, hallelujah! It's just it's kind of a default thing. But in Scripture, it's, it's dynamite. It's the strongest Hebrew word for praise. And even though it can be overdone a little bit in church settings, we have to grapple with the fact that at the end of the Psalms. There are five psalms where it is like a, a, a flipping cannon thing going on: boom, bash, boom, blah, boom. That's my best impression of a cannon going off. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now the final five psalms are often called the Hallelujah Psalms for that very reason, because they just absolutely dominate the scene. They're riddled with the word hallelujah. Now that I've told you that, have a guess at what the last word of the the Psalms is. Hallelujah, yeah. And what's the first word? Anyone know what's the first word? Blessed. Blessed. Ooh, that's cool, isn't it? Blessed, that sets the tone. What you're expecting as you read this collection, blessed, blessing. What's the final word? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Amen. Um, Where am I? Erica, (laughs) you put me off. I need to get back into my stride again. Okay. The Hallelujah Psalms. Okay, here we go. Now, here's the thing. It's neither arbitrary nor a happy accident that there are five Hallelujah Psalms at the end of a collection of five books of Psalms that are carefully designed to reflect the five books of the torah this book was brought to you today by the number 5 it's deliberate it's very significant the psalms are israel's answer to the voice of god In Torah, Genesis to Deuteronomy. And the final five psalms are an explosion of hallelujahs. The climax, the culmination, the the final, like, this is what it's all about moment at the end of the book. When it comes to answering God, When all the chips are down, when everything else has been said, when all your complaints are out on the table, when you've wet your bed with your tears like David has, when your enemies have been knocking on your door, when you're saying that everything is good and the Lord is my shepherd, the final word to all of it is hallelujah, praise the Lord. And the final five psalms go kaboomy, whammy, bosh, bang, slappy, kapow, hallelujah. You're, i let you have that one now, Erica. <laughs> Did you miss me? <laughs> 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 yes, praise the Lord. That's great. The final word is praise. It's praise. That's the, the culmination of it all. The climax to it all. You could say, look, if you really want to know what answering God is really all about, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let me give you just a tiny snapshot now of how certain themes show up in the hallelujah psalms. This is one of those ones again when Pete has, you know, telegraphed my point. But that's okay, I'll take that, because it must be the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that's good. He didn't know what I was going to be speaking about. If, you know, if I'm right, and if other scholars are right about this whole thing, the five books of the Psalms reflecting the five books of Torah, and then these five hallelujah Psalms at the end, then it might be wise to assume that within the five hallelujah Psalms, we might find reflections and themes that are part of the five books of Torah, because If the ultimate answer to God has spoken is hallelujah, then maybe the praise that Israel speaks and that the church speaks reflects what God has done in those books. And in fact, that is precisely what we find. So let's look first at the God of creation. Hallelujah, the God of creation. Praise the Lord of creation. So this is from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord on my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long, dot, 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 who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Now, I'm only going to give snapshots of these. Here's some homework for the summer months. I want you to, I actually do want you to read the final five psalms, and I want you to make notes of these themes, starting with Creation. How do they praise God for creation? How do they say, hallelujah, Lord of creation? So the Psalms, the hallelujah chorus at the end of the Psalms, worships and thanks God because he is the sole creator of all existing reality. Genesis 1 and 2, isn't it? The Torah. God speaks, God reveals God's self. Israel answers and says, Praise the God who made all things. Hallelujah. There he is again. So he just trips off the tongue. The second thing is this. God is a God of covenant. Praise the God of covenant. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his ordinances, his commands, his word, his instruction. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Zion is the, the, the name for, that's given to the city of God on Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, on Mount Zion, the mountain where the temple was in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, so When it speaks about Zion, it's talking about God's dwelling amongst his people. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. That's reference to God's covenant love, faithful promises, I will be with you, I will multiply you, I will protect you, I will preserve you, I will be with you. The God of creation, the sole Lord of everything that is, is the covenant God of Israel, who chose Abraham and his offspring, and who presents himself in Zion with his people. Creation and covenant belong together. They're not separate entries just in a systematic theology They are a lived reality for the people of God. Because the one God who made everything is the one God who created the context and the the, the actual, the, the, the right context, the conditions for a people to emerge who he would call to himself. Creation, covenant, they belong together. And then finally, praise the God of salvation. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Psalm 147, that's from. Any reference, nearly any reference, most references to the Lord, Yahweh God, setting prisoners free in the Old Testament is pointing you to the Exodus story. The Exodus story is probably the defining story for the people of God in the Old Testament. We were slaves in Egypt. and God delivered us and brought us out into a promised land and made a covenant with us. He became our God and we became his people. It wasn't because we were great in number. It wasn't because we were wiser or anything. It's because he set his love on us. He saved us. Creation... Covenant, salvation. The Hallelujah Psalms hold all those themes together and blow the roof off. Those are the three big theological themes, really, of the whole Torah. Creation, covenant, salvation. And we have been called, brothers and sisters... To join in this hallelujah chorus. Do you know what the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament is? It's easy, I've been telling you the whole time. Psalms, yeah. The Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament, followed quite closely by Deuteronomy and Isaiah, but Psalms is the most quoted. The church from the beginning used the Psalms in prayer, used the Psalms in worship, used the Psalms to understand Jesus better, used the Psalms to understand what it meant to be a people of God better. And one of the early Christian authors, a guy called Paul, he wrote a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. And he reminded the church in Ephesus that God the Father and God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit, the one God who is triune, had been at work to make them into a holy people. And this was all for the praise of his glory. Nice. The church exists to the praise of God's glory, for the praise of God's glory. The church does all kinds of wonderful social things. Praise God for that. The church attempts to look after the poor and the needy, to care for the widow, to look for the stranger, the alien, to welcome them. The church looks to be active as a prophetic voice, speaking truth to power, as Ian reminded us at the weekend away. But the church, first and foremost, is a praising people. The church is a people called to herald the wonders of the God of creation, covenants, and salvation, the God whom we've come to know more fully and truthfully, not truthfully, but in greater in greater kind of woof, breadth and depth in the person of Jesus Christ. We are to the praise of God's glorious grace. And as we wander through life and face perplexities and trials and struggles, as we also do what the psalmists do, God, you promised, you said it would be this, but it looks like that. Why is all this going on? We still find the climax of it all is hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I think that God is calling us, City Church, to become more of what we already are in his eyes to become in experience in actual doing what he says we actually are, praising people, a hallelujah people, a people for the praise of his glory. I think God is doing a work in us to that end, and it's exciting. Somebody said to me earlier, it just feels more alive this morning. Well, hallelujah, that's the grace of God to us. It's not because we've all had an extra coffee God is at work. Now, maybe the fact that the Hallelujah Psalms are right at the end of the book of Psalms suggests that really and truly, this whole praise business, it's just the culmination of a long life lived in answering God, and that finally, by the end, (laughs) by the time we get to the end of it all, we will be able to say, oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Maybe it kind of works. Life is rich and varied, but when we see him face to face, when we behold his glory, we won't be going, what about that time when I asked you for that job and you didn't come through? We'll be saying, hallelujah. Because <laughs> everything will suddenly come clear in the light of his glory. Maybe. It's one way of understanding how the psalms are structured and the hallelujah psalms at the end. Then again, perhaps the point is that the final word is always hallelujah in a life lived with God. Perhaps we see Jesus doing that. Father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me, but not my will, your will be done. That's a way of saying hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is painful, but you. This sucks, but but you. Gillian prophesied, God's looking into our hearts. What's your intentions towards me? Others may be unjust to you, Others might treat you like some kind of punch bag. Where's your heart at with me? God's drawing our attention to him. You see, when we say, praise the Lord, this is the beautiful thing. It lifts us away from being focused in on me and my problem. The Psalms are full of God, all rooted in who he is. But in the end, we say, God, I'm looking to you. I'm not going to, maybe we could be a people who say this, I will not withhold the praise that is due to my God because my life doesn't seem to add up to what I want it to add up to. Can you imagine? Can you imagine standing before God and saying, well, you know, you looked like you weren't going to come through, so I sort of didn't bother really. You know, Hallelujah, if you feel like it. But, uh, I don't want to be in that place. We're not called to brush over or hide under the carpet our hardships, but we're called first to praise him in our hardships, out of our hardships, whether or not they ever actually change in this life. We are appraising people. A praising people. Perhaps we need to allow the hallelujah to shape the way that we pray the rest of our prayers. Whether you like it or not, whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, we are all actually praising people. All of us. I know that we're Brits and we're also complaining people and that the default is cynicism, largely for British people, isn't it? And we kind of make light of that and laugh about it, but it's quite serious, really, because I don't think God likes cynicism. Sorry for, you know, that's people like me. I enjoy cynicism. <sighs> don't. do be a cynic. We're all praising people. We all praise what we love. It's true. You might not think of yourself as a hallelujah and worship kind of Christian, but I'll bet bet if I took you to your football match or your rugby game or if I took you to see Little Mix, Sam, like you would be singing along, hands in the air, Lana Del Rey, Pete, you'd be there. It's you, it's you, it's all for you. There you would be. So more like Leonard Cohen, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise what we love, and then guess what? We love more what we praise. This is how it works. This is how it works. We praise what we love, and that makes us love it more, and then we praise it more, and that makes us love it more, and then we praise it more. It's like this well, it could be virtuous, but it could also be really destructive like this cycle, this spiral. We praise what we love. So here's the deal. You need to practice your praise. And I really had to think about whether that was with an S or with a C. And it could be both. But practice as in something that you do to train yourself by continually practicing an instrument. You practice your praise. Praise can be spontaneous. But spontaneity is not the same thing as passivity. Don't be fooled Oh, i just like to be spontaneous and praise God when I feel like it, because that's where integrity lies wrong. Integrity lies with the revelation of God, and you change your attitude in relation to that, not expect God to change in relation to you. (laughs) Busted. God hasn't said, praise me when you feel like it, because that's integrity. God has said, praise me at all times, because I am worthy of praise at all times, whether you feel like it or no. So, practice. Take the five hallelujah Psalms and use them this week and next and the week after and for the rest of your life. (laughs) Praise. Practice. Praise is not, and also, praise, when when people say, oh, praise the Lord, do you realize that's not actually praising the Lord? It's an exhortation, it's a command, it's an order. If I go, John, praise the Lord, and he goes, hallelujah, brother. Well, he hasn't praised the Lord. I was telling him, John, read the Psalms. Get the vocabulary of worship into your heart and into your mind. Use it. Journal on it. Think about it. Sing songs in your time with God that have got content about God. Become someone who praises by practicing it, by doing it. Let it become... If spontaneity is going to be the thing, let spontaneity spring up from a deep well that you have dug in practicing how to praise The people who are the best spontaneous praisers are the ones who've gone well deep in scripture and prayer, in honoring God. In fact, John Calvin said that you can't even really know God properly unless you obey him. It goes deep, right? It's not fluff. It's not ornamentation for the church. It's the heart of who we are, praising people. So practice it. Practice it on your own. Practice it together. Take the opportunity to come to the prayer meetings. as not an optional extra, but no, this is actually who we are. If I want to be truly consistent with who we are as a church, I'm going to rock up. Oh no, but it's more important to have integrity and stay at home. No, no, no it's not. No. It's who we are, appraising people. So, I need to wrap up. Golly. So we get to answer God, because God has revealed himself. That's great. We get to pray all the kinds of prayers. We get to pray all the life experience. We get to pray the good, the bad, and the positively ugly. We get to complain. We get to rejoice. We get to rest in his presence. And we get to, to you know, kind of just be like, God, I, I love you. You're, you're wonderful. We're practicing this together. The church is for the praise of his glory. We get to use these wonderful psalms. And over the next, over the next weeks and months, Let's all together dive into these together and let's go deeper into who we are as a people called to be the praise of his glory. Let's pray and then we will wrap this all up. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God, the creator and covenant God, we love you. We're so thankful that you have revealed yourself as a God who is for us. You're not against us. We're your beloved You have adopted us through Jesus and made us to be partakers in the divine nature, you've said in your word. That's just breathtakingly amazing. God, we want to be in reality, in practice, in actual doing who it is that you said that we are. We don't want to hear that and say, well, we want to actually be in our actions, the people that you've made us to be. So please grant your spirit to work in us deeply this week. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that it is breath and speech. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us this morning. You speak to me, to all of us through your word in in this moment. We're grateful and we receive it from you. Help us to worship the God of creation and covenant and salvation, the God revealed in Jesus Christ. And may the world Come to know you more and more as we do that. May our lives be transformed as we do that. All to the praise of your great glory. And everybody said, Amen and Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Have a fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Um, tonight, prayer? Yes. 8 o'clock till 9 30. Prayer and praise, remarkably, tonight. Come and practice. Have a fantastic week. See some of you tonight.